0: Welcome to What Is This Music? A podcast about why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. When I was a kid, maybe a preteen, I listened to music that was on the radio, pretty much whatever was on. And then for quite a number of years after that, I either uh, didn't like the music that was uh, popular or sometimes pretended not to like it because it was popular, both on some principle that, in retrospect, kind of eludes me. Um, Around the turn of the century, something changed. And by the time the year 2003 rolled along, I was pretty much enjoying uh, a lot of the music that was popular. At the same time, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on on the underground music scene in Canada, certainly in Montreal and Toronto. And so I was curious, was this a great year for music or am I just a grumpy old hipster? In order to explore this mystery a little further, I thought I would consult noted 2003 enthusiast, Steve Cato. He's an artist currently based in LA who at the time was really at the vanguard of the uh, music community in Toronto as a co-founder of the record label Blocks Recording Club and as a member of several bands, including Barcelona Pavilion, Ninja High School, early lineup of the Hidden Cameras, and his own solo project, The Blanket. We don't really solve the mystery. We get wildly off topic in this conversation. And if you think that uh, the talk is long and rambling, I'll just tell you that a lot was edited out, including a lot of stuff that I thought was quite interesting, but I really wanted to keep the podcast to a manageable length. So without any further ado, here's my talk with Steve Cato. I hope you enjoy it. Steve Cato, Canadian artist currently living in LA for a few years now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, a little while on and off. I I go back and forth a lot. Oh, I did, you know. Um when going when travel was easy and uh, we were all, and carbon was cheap. Uh yeah.
0: We were just talking before uh starting the recording about, you know, family and and leaving town and stuff. Are you I mean, I, mean, I imagine with the current situation you're pretty much there. Uh
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of trapped in a way. It's a beautiful place when, you know, it's not uh trying hard to be like tacky and stupid right so i mean in terms of the like the uh, it, 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 there's worse places to be stuck i, I guess.
0: remember when you left toronto that seemed like um a, a, uh-huh. a crazy end of an era to me because you were such a booster of the toronto music uh, community and uh-huh. and this was back before drake uh, maybe even before broken social scene like it was uh A grassroots um, era of the of the music community
1: I would say my my um, involvement was like entirely mapped in parallel to like Broken Social Scene because those guys were older so they were they had all been in like one round of bands when I was sort of having my first round of bands you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel like very much like that was at the same time just like kind of really different uh approaches to it but yeah no i mean boosting boosting's hard work you know and uh i had a a less uh overtly commercializable boosting strategy right so i mean i wasn't getting um you know reimbursed um and and also at the same time like the music industry near the end of Uh, me doing that kind of stuff the music industry itself just imploded the entire profit model like whole distribute all the distributors went bankrupt you know it's like it just literally like within a year of me leaving the entire mechanism in which i had you know, I guess like I I was involved in the whole thing during a transito- uh like an economically transitional period, uh-huh. and so like the entire uh, structure that I was involved with just vanished, which was nuts. So it's like I I wouldn't even know how to boost now. You know, if I was just like I'm getting it back in the game, man. I mean, I, I just like a, a band I'm in is got a record coming out in a second actually and like i'm like oh i should i should boost this somehow you know i i remember effectively boosting many times in my life you know (laughs) and i'm like yeah i have no idea how that even works i don't even know who you know like how 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 uh attention is even won for such things even like the sort of economic nature that i think underwrote a lot of the diy music that like we got to know each other through doing you Mm -hmm. and i Uh, like i i kind of don't think that even exists in the same way i mean like venues uh that like sure there were bars like sneaky d's or whatever but then there would also be like house shows or things like that and like after ghost ship i think a lot of people feel terrified about that stuff too it's like you know how many weird fire trap shows did you play oh yeah lots you know like yeah and there'd be like a generator out back Uh, or like in some like dubiously enclosed place, pumping it with carbon monoxide and like 1 million power strips and like, you know, you'd just be like, okay, so like this is, if there were complaints from the authorities, they'd be like, oh, fire code says it's, I think it was an easy one for them to reach for to shut you down too. They'd be like, oh, fire code. And you'd be like, fire code is bullshit, man. And then like an entire building full of people burns to death because of fire code. And I was just like, oh, shit. You know, it's like I all the time I thought that, you know, I was above the fire code <laughs> or whatever. It turns out that like I had merely just been like extremely lucky my whole yeah, life that's, or that some people were extremely unlucky or however we want to consider that.
0: It's a metaphor for youth somehow thinking that you that the fire yeah. code doesn't apply to you. I remember getting grounders at active surplus, which were like these sort of dubiously legal uh, plugs right. that you could use to plug like a three prong amp into like a, a simple yeah. wall outlet Two-pronged. and using those yeah. like to plug in my amps. All the time, time. <laughs> all the time, all the time,
1: you know, just like all this dubious, dubious stuff. And we were just like, it's fine. You know, <laughs> like this is, this is fine. And like, you know, with the price of real estate or whatever in Toronto being what it is, too, it's like, could you even, like, have a, a place centrally located that you would feel comfortable letting people sort
0: of trash on a regular basis?
1: So I feel, I feel like the world changed, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it changed. It's changed. And now it's, like, been completely turned on its head. And, you know, I, I feel like w- when we come out on the other side of what's going on now, you know it's impossible to say what it would look like it could look like something yeah. coming at you know a phoenix of uh diy culture rising from the the ashes or it could be like oh, we, that would be we wake up in a complete full-on corporate feudal state you know
1: yeah 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 absolutely i mean what's interesting about the like wave of protest earlier this year here is that like the you know like what does it cost target when you burn down one target you know like not a whole heck of a lot considering how many targets there are you know i mean i'm sure it's expensive as shit but it's like whatever they they have wealth beyond our literal imagination um but even the smallest sort of material incursion in the sort of corporate dominance like leads to like almost immediate uh change in the fabric of the state uh-huh. <laughs> and like it kind of blows your mind you're like oh that's all it took like you were literally not going to pay attention at all and then like the tiniest pin prick occurs on the surface of like the behemoth that is target and now uh now you will pay attention for exactly one minute right you know like and it's like and it's not like you bothered the government you bothered target you know sure um but it's like it's it's bothering Target that get that the government listens to. So it's like that. It is like yeah, the full like horrid corporate state, like just like a Shoppers Drug Mart and an N W on every corner, and like wait, are we back uh, to talking about Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, just like the nightmare. Yeah, uh, I re-
0: I coming back to that. I remember yeah. that um, you know the 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 time when when uh, when I got to to know you and your projects. Uh, was a really interesting time for me. I had moved away from Toronto, so but I was still coming right. back there to do shows and stuff. Um, but it coincided, or you know, maybe it's not a coincidence. I don't know, with the time when suddenly, I mean, there was this super healthy underground uh, music community going on. But at the same time, yeah. I felt like for the first time in a while, mainstream music suddenly was like really interesting and good.
1: Yeah, what what did you mean by that? Like just like Kylie Minogue and stuff like that, or like
0: what early? I mean, aughts. I guess you know, um, when I when I look back at, um, at at that time, one of the things that sticks out is like uh, Outcasts' uh, speaker right. box, "The Love Below." Um, yeah, and I remember, you know, just to tie it together, that you and yeah. one of your projects covered "Hey Uh I mean, you and a million yeah. other bands, but um yeah i I just remember when when that came out and becoming aware of that i mean it became overplayed really fast but yeah but the initial kind of um joy um joy mixed with confusion of hearing that and seeing that for the first time was just like wow this is on tv this is on the radio this is great um yeah the normal music got really cool yeah, and I mean, just from a strictly um, you know, production point of view, um, you know if, I, if you go back to, if you look on Wikipedia for the hits of um, 2003, let's say, you have like yeah, 50 yeah. Cent in the Club, um, uh, Sean Paul's Get Busy, which is like a totally weird, dark, minimalist beat. There was a, the, the Chuck E. Cheese around the
1: corner from my house, like the minute Chuck E. Cheese actually went bankrupt, it caught fire. Okay. <laughs> and so there's like scorched ruin of a Chuck E. Cheese around the corner from my house. And there's guys who live outside of it. And they were listening to Sean Paul the other day. And I was just like, whoa, what? Sean?" Paul But it's like the same Sean Paul record, you know? Right. Um, it's, that, it's that one album uh sorry yeah continue though i'm I'm loving this list of hits so like we stopped at sean paul what's after sean paul okay here
0: here we go so the 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 top um four songs are into club 50 cent ignition r kelly get busy sean paul and crazy in love beyonce featuring jay-z i mean yeah wow those are you know those are all great great tunes that um there was something uh sonically interesting about them in addition to to being catchy um yeah and I'm, I'm i was talking about you know outcast uh you know speaker box the love below that was earlier no it was it was the same year it was released in september it was 2003 yeah
1: yeah yeah and i mean i'm proud of i'm proud of uh my cover because it came out before the actual outcast album was released oh yeah <laughs> was it was um, a rushed release i had gotten i'd gotten a leak and i just did it and then you know like it, things were very casual you know i just like did it uh bought some business card cds at the computer store on spadina and uh college and uh you know uh, stamped out the covers and put it out, you know, <laughs> like it happened immediately. Uh, and yeah, cause I remember hearing it and being like, no fucking way this rules. Um, you know, exactly this, exactly the experience you described, this sort of like, uh, being able to like relax about, uh, the sort of highbrow, lowbrow of pop music. I think that's, you know? that's
0: maybe what I'm getting at in a way. Because yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, typically, um, you know, I had already gone through a pretty prolonged period of being a, a hipster snob uh, at, the, yeah, at that point, yeah, yeah. and just inherently disliking anything that was mainstream or popular. And whether right. there was, uh, you know, validity to that perspective or not, um, all of a sudden it was like, oh wait, all this music playing on the on the on the radio, and and then the grocery store or whatever it's actually amazing
1: yeah yeah I, you know what's funny is 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 that like i and i think other stuff that band the blanket that did the hey yeah cover did a bunch of bruce springsteen covers as well and that seems extremely dull now as a choice but like you know springsteen was also i think viewed with suspicion as like this sort of mainstream uh sort of American patriotic songwriter or whatever, you know? Like uh-huh. even though like the songs in general, the songs I was interested in were all like extraordinarily sad and negative. I have this uh, this memory
0: of you performing um at I think the Drake, maybe for the Brave New Waves anniversary party. Uh-huh. And I I you tell me if I'm exaggerating this, but the way I recall it was that you were singing while playing an unplugged electric bass that was just mic'd with a microphone. And and the notoriously talkative Toronto audience was just silent, like, listening to to you play. And I thought, well, this guy's got got something on the go here. I don't know what it is, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they were totally silent. I I think that's maybe uh, where, uh, like, you know, the, the charitable part of your memory is coming into play. But I think... Uh, i think that was like the dare uh, of doing that move and i was always like do du- you know like at that time i was also working as a sound guy and i would spend like a lot of time making stuff louder for people mm-hmm. and like and it was also a time when like bands were getting really unwieldy you know like Like people uh, as a day job guy, you know, for my day job, you'd be like, oh, what what do we have today? And it would be like, there is a band from Montreal with 12 people and they all play zithers, you know, and I'm at Sneaky D's, you know, like the last thing that happened was like Corpus just vomited into like one of our three working microphones. And so, you know, like on stage or like rammed it down his pants full of mustard the night before. Uh and or like bunch of fucking goofs that like thrown the monitors at someone the night, you know, like at like the one Nazi punk guy who still lived in Toronto near Kensington Market was like, I'll go to the bunch of fucking goofs show. That'll be that'll be fun for me. And then the next day, yeah, it's like a bunch of kids in like velvet vests from like uh Formerly Guelph, but now Toronto or whatever, or now Montreal or, you know, whatever, playing like extremely soft, you know, unlike cello being like, can I hear more cello in the monitor? And I'm like, like, my friend, like, we are working from so far behind the ability to provide you with this that like, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, but this is not a... It's not on the menu today, like there's only so much that oh can be God. accomplished today. that
0: reminds me of a time this is quite off topic, but the world provider was opening for Ariel Pink at a at a um uh-huh. a bar in Montreal called Zoo Bazaar, kind of like classic uh-huh. I remember classic it. crazy place. but anyway the the drummer of Ariel Pink was in the center of the stage, and after every song he would say, uh, could i get more of keyboard and less guitar and more of his vocal and less of his vocal i was just like dude you're at zoo bazaar like there's a ceiling to how to how good it's going to sound <laughs> yeah but uh anyway <laughs> yeah. you are saying coming back to you yeah your, no uh,
1: like a- absolutely absolutely so i was like in the situation where i was making other people's bands loud and i was like i don't know yeah like trying to like circumvent these like technologies that had really clear single directions like you plug it in and the sound comes from the bass to the amplifier and then like it's shot at people's faces you know and what does that allow them to do as a spectator but be like bludgeoned by you playing bass you know um so i don't know i feel like uh if people are going to talk they're going to talk if they want to you know but then like they have to deal with the fact that they're talking is like so much more a part of the show than if uh i was playing fully amplified I, I, that's kind of where where the hopes were coming from for me was to just be like to sort of drive people, and you would hear stories about this stuff too, right? About like people heckling low, or like the cowboy junkies, and them just playing quieter. Right. Right. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, like that's a that's another move, you know, and it's like less, and so and kind of about doing less. So yeah, no, it was, and then like I eventually went to art school, so it's like it all it all comes around, you know, like that's what I that's that's where this all led me. Right was like just orthodox performance art, you know, <laughs> like, okay, uh, yeah, like I, reali- I realize that this is annoying to people who are here to actually see bands and that there's like places where this is actually like much more enjoyed. And instead of swimming upstream all the time, why don't I just like go
0: with it? Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Um, I was looking at uh, another uh, 2003 um, popular um, mainstream hit was uh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Which uh, yeah, I, again to to me it just kind of like I, I like to be surprised when I hear music. So again, when when you heard those weird kind of like Bollywood string hits, uh, yeah, on a Britney Spears song, it was just kind of pleasantly surprising. And it's funny because it's like the pop optimism
1: thing, like because that's kind of what we're talking about um, in and around like Britney Spears or like yeah, like the. Uh, hey, yeah, uh, um, I said Kylie Minogue earlier, and I stand by that too, like I feel like that was like unusually high quality sort of discount. you mean
0: can't get you out of my head I mean that's a, I, yeah. I love that song it's definitely around yeah, the same uh, the same time uh yeah, it's a little earlier maybe I think but so. like
1: it's like um that's like maybe like the first shot fired in in the whole thing, and then there was like Timbaland as well, and like also just disappeared, like a friend of mine here in LA works as a costumer and he just got a gig where he's just finished a gig doing an IBM commercial Mm -hmm. that featured Timbaland. And I'm like, well, I, you know, like who's IBM's audience here, you know, and like
0: who remembers who Timbaland is (laughs) like, what has he done lately? Yeah. For, for Uh, a moment there, it seemed like the Neptunes or Timbaland produced all of those cool sounding hits
1: totally that old dirty bastard record yeah you know that was produced by the neptunes for example that like also sort of both like pushed him into the mainstream it was like lots of cool th- moves just occurred for sure, um, for sure in and around those moments and then like pharrell becomes this embarrassment at this point you know where he's just like a joke you can make about hats
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: um and like timberland is like an utter non-entity just you know, when he was previously seen as like the sage of sort of like complicated,
0: uh, rap and R and B production. Maybe the the tipping you know? point was when he did uh, the Chris Cornell solo album.
1: Ooh, and he
0: got the curse. <laughs> I don't know. He got he, he got brushed with the Cornell
1: curse, and uh, it could be. I could, that's I what know. happened.
0: Um. So, uh, I, I remember the last time that we talked, which was a, f- a few years ago. Um, you talked yeah. about uh, about the Toronto music scene in the context of Drake, who obviously like became a huge, huge phenomenon, and like in some people's yeah. eyes put Toronto on the map or whatever. Um, yeah, what, what's your what, what's your take on him? Are, are you a fan
1: No. I you know I I there was a there was a moment where he was really doing. and this is probably maybe more the moment we last spoke where it's like he was really just doing all this Toronto-y stuff, like him moping sitting on the CN tower Uh on an album cover and stuff. And I was like, damn, you know, like I wish I had gotten to this place where like I could like sort of visually appeal to people to think about this town that way, you know, to like have sort of like a, an amount of like regional chauvinism, you Uh know, like a kind of, uh, I, I, so i did i I was maybe like a little jealous, um but then also like th- I think weirdly enough, and maybe that's different in Toronto now, but like since he, you know like there was also like a weird cultural place for him, I think, in like the Obama years, and like when things are actually you know not like things weren't bad then but when things are like uh so aggressively pitched at, to be bad you know when there's like joy being taken in in um like you know like obama's memoir another volume of obama's memoirs just came out and he was like i took no joy in doing drone strikes you know i i he literally sort of admits to being like bullied into doing drone strikes by like you know to look like a tough guy to like what like the Republican or the military establishment or whatever the fuck, like, which is a terrible reason to do war crimes. It's like a terrible can you imagine like telling, you know, like people whose families got like zapped at an Afghan wedding, you know, that like you did it just so you didn't look like a wimp to like another bunch of like it horrible was because assholes. Of peer pressure. Like Yeah, it's like so so first of all there's that, but like there's like that kind of unique vibe that you know like that, that that's that really does compare itself to the vibe of just like i'm i'm literally going to do the same horribly inhuman stuff at the border but i'm going to relish doing it i'm going to make i'm going to look like i'm having a lot of fun doing it you know like i'm going to i'm going to uh wallow in doing war crimes as opposed to you know sort of appearing Grudgingly. to reluctantly do it out of peer pressure or whatever yeah and so like when the moment shifts that sort of like oh i'm so sad about doing these war crimes boohoo like that really rhymed well with like the vibe of drake
0: <laughs> how, how
1: so as like mu like you know drake's as as successful as drake gets he gets like more and more sad and more and more alienated and more and more which like you know we've all seen citizen kane like this is an archetypal story you know it's like the 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 man the man grows into the myth of his own success and becomes like uh, a distant alien entity but then at the same time you know like you can't identify that's that's literally not happening to you you know like your life is literally just like garbage today you know like you're freaked out about money you're uh you know like now there's a pandemic you're like terrified to go to the grocery store like you know like life actually sucks now and you are the direct the seeming direct threats on you are are so like the sort of abstract sadness of the like extreme elite crawling into themselves was like somehow appropriate during like the obama years and i feel like what you're saying i feel and i feel like that's not uh you know that that just really didn't hold up and then like in a moment you know and then in a moment where you know like people are just like i've absolutely had it with cops killing people in the streets thanks you know like like that's not a drake moment you know there's no like drake response uh, yeah to yeah. like
0: i see what you mean I'm, i i was reminded of this when you were just uh, saying that um that i i am going to go on the record and confessing that i never really got the the whole drake thing i mean i like started from the bottom and uh, and yeah. a couple of other of other songs are, are pretty good but um, I do remember that there was an interview with Lord. You remember the at the time teenage mm. uh, sensation? And she mm-hmm. was shouting out Drake and saying, like, yeah, he's like this huge rock star, uh, like banging models left and right, but he's like really, really sad and mopey. And I was like, it's huh, true. That's what people want in their rock stars today, eh? like yeah i i I couldn't figure out like to me that's a reason to not like someone's vibe not a not an appealing thing but i wonder if that's a generational thing
1: well i think i I think but that's also maybe true of kids these days uh so far as I'm, i'm aware of them i mean like i've like taught some undergrads and they're definitely extremely tender um you know, more so, like, I also, like, I showed some undergrads, like, some Einzelsen and Neubauten performance footage from the, like, 80s, mm-hmm. and they were just like, this looks really unhealthy. These guys look like they're having a bad time. <laughs> and, like, it's n- this doesn't look like it's good for, you know, like, you shouldn't do this. And, like... You know, and I remember seeing that same footage, like, years ago and being like, these guys are so cool. Like, if only I could live in, like, a crumbling Berlin and, like, uh, destroy buildings every time I played a show, <laughs> you know. And if only I looked this cool if I did heroin, you know, like, uh, as a lifestyle, as, like, a, my whole thing, you know. Like, it, they, I. So it's, like, it's interesting that that difference of perception fully existed. They were just, like, horrified by it. They were like, this isn't how you should act. You know, yeah, uh, that's kind, this kind of is very, this is very unsafe. You're gonna bring this building down, like on yourself and other people. Like that <laughs> is such That's be- such an asshole move. You know, like yeah. You know, I I have um, this
0: this this theory, which I I will admit is a bit half baked, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it sure. out here anyway. Um, That like even though there's this conservative backlash against the quote unquote woke movement, I think the woke yeah. kids are kind of conservative in their own way. And that's not yeah. such a bad thing. They, they want to be healthy. They uh, they, yeah. they expect people to... They want to be safe. Yeah, they expect people to treat others with respect and dignity. It's not yeah. for the same reasons as like a 50s, you know, um, oppressed, duty-obsessed conservatism. But yeah, like, you know, the community values are more important than the individual desires, those kinds of things. I feel like I guess what I'm saying is I feel like the conservatives should uh, give the woke kids a break, y- they, you know, the, the, see the see the good in what they're doing.
1: Yeah, well, it's good that they don't because then they would truly form an undomitable, un- like a, a fully election dominating force. Okay, I take it all back. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, but I, I like I definitely do feel the same thing where it's just like being concerned for uh, like group safety. Isn't terrible, you know wanting people to have healthier choices uh is good <laughs> like i i agree with you all all i agree with you entirely except for on a strategic basis right <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i i i so it's like in you know what on another level all right like so same time as Drake, do you remember future
0: yeah, yeah I mean, is is, it, is he so future. far in the past that he needs to be remembered? Is he not a contemporary? Well, I don't
1: feel like I don't feel like we talk about. There's no I, like I don't hear new future work. Like there was a time when future was everywhere. Like literally, he was featuring on everyone's song. You would you would hear cars go by, and on the radio would be like, and he had this. I think also just to me very pleasing voice. He had this like extreme baritone, you know, and like more so than drake all his songs were just about like fully dissociating you know like just like i'm having such a horrible mental health crisis that i've taken drugs that allow that make it impossible for me to even like detect my body you know uh-huh. i'm like i'm paralyzed i live in like a hellscape uh that i'm fully trapped in i am uh the most successful uh rapper of my generation you know, like that was sort of like, that was like the arc of a future song. And I'm doing it all in this like amazing sort of gruff cadence as well. And and with like extremely interesting sci-fi production. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm from this like Atlanta nihilism scene, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, this guy's really cool. This is, this, wow, this music's so neat. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> wow. He's sure having a miserable time. Uh, and like, uh, you know fuck like no one first of all like it's hilarious that like there was an artist called future and like now like that seems like the, literally the dumbest name you could come up with for your music project
0: right right because it's it, it automatically kind of uh disqualifies its its own yeah, right. <laughs>
1: yeah because you're just like oh well you you know that like there isn't going to be one dude so like uh on like whatever metric like climate change disease the economy like yeah i i sorry pal uh but we're not going to make it to the future right uh so there's th- there's that and then at the same time like like just like like in another way like that kind of just like fully dissociating on like you know like a weird combination of like cough syrup ssris and like adhd medication and like just like losing your mind became also just sort of like a normal pharmacological reality for many people Mm. you know like that's like literally how you just like survive going from your grubhub job to your like uh to your uber job to your like that's like the only way that you're able to actually like like exist in the gig economy and then like he just sort of faded away into just like reality right Like future just became present and people were like, oh, well there's no need to like think about it anymore because it's simply become the air. Wow. Uh, That's that's bleak when you put it that way. I mean, it's pretty shitty, you know, it's like, like what's a jobless, what's, what's like a post 2008 jobless recovery economy look like for most people? Like it looks like total ass. So like, I feel like, uh, you know, but then like uh, there was, there was this moment of sort of where you could sort of like, uh, glamorize it under Obama But then the minute you like Just sort of like put a shitty golden eagle on it And like buy all the junk food And lay it out on a te- on a giant table For the sports team to visit the White House Or mm-hmm. whatever like the minute you actually like sh- Like turn on the spotlights And be like isn't this great During the, like the Trump administration Then suddenly like you can't have future anymore You can't have like Drake whining about stuff Like the things I liked about Drake Were in a really Toronto-y Like, I loved that he had this phase where he kept trying to, like, integrate sort of uh, more Caribbean sounds Uh into his music. And that's, like, something that, like, I really, you know, like, Carabana every summer. Like, you would, you know that there's a huge Caribbean population in Toronto and, you know, there isn't a, a huge Caribbean population in necessarily the rest of the world you know like so it's like this special thing and there's a special sort of thing that's very available and very present in toronto that isn't as present elsewhere and so it's like it was nice to see him integrate that it was nice to see him like show pictures of toronto and care about how it looked uh and show like an image of it which i i think like for us in the 2000s it was largely about like uh, like haunting montreal (laughs) and so like to glorify the image of toronto was to like court great danger to yourself personally of course you know like it was it was hard enough it's one of the things that brings
0: canada together is a hatred of toronto
1: yeah exactly so i felt like i felt very like jealous that he got to like get all the way there but then yeah now now i can't imagine caring at all one way or the other you're just sort of like oh you're still here Oh. So, oh, you're you've you're, you're experimenting with yet another ethnic accent you don't actually have.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> like so um do you do you listen to uh to what's popular today? Do you keep track of uh of what's in the, in the mainstream pop these days?
1: I don't. Um I lost that touch. You know, like there was I feel like the I and I feel like sort of near the end of that like pop there was like a downfall side of optimism where like the snob when we were talking about sort of the joy of having like the boot of s- of snobbery sort of take its f- grip off of your mind uh and then the so- the sort of like the snobbery clamped back down and then at the same time like uh w- that was also i would argue sort of concurrent with the sort of transition into being like an all-powerful force of sort of like uh music blogging you know mm-hmm. like in the early aughts pitchfork was just like an annoyance it was a thing that existed and uh it was it was it, it had this annoying rating system they clearly favored like a specific kind of like dumb shit that i wasn't into <laughs> particularly you know but like yeah maybe if they said something nice about your thing it would help you out when you like next tried to book a tour but otherwise like they were not like the 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 sort of all-powerful force right uh and then that changed you know and uh it
0: changed and then it changed again because now i feel like uh you know i mean they're they're still sort of around and they still occasionally publish something that's like half interesting but yeah but uh, the landscape you know i mean the blogs are just it's a graveyard
1: yeah yeah absolutely i mean and and they've sort of exceeded even being like up there are no more blogs right and and Um, but then like the conversation, yeah, it's, it's like, like, what is, what is going on with someone like Dua Lipa, like or something like that? Like that's basically like the last round of discourse surrounding that person was that like, wasn't her like dad in the CIA or some shit? Like, you know, or like like did war crimes or something, you know, it's like, like we're at this stage of the game where it's like, I'm like, I, I don't even, these people don't even need music at this point. You know, like we've advanced so far into postmodernism that like we don't even require uh audible material and i can't even i can't even think of when i heard music now you know like without without deliberately trying to put it on Mm. um because it's like first of all like you know i I don't go out anymore um because you you don't yeah in the current climate and then like the The even more fucked up thing is like whatever retail environments I do enter have all been like so rigorously tailored towards me through like a Spotify type algorithm that like I go out and it's just like, oh, the Brian Eno songs you like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, oh, I get to like listen to another green world while I buy groceries, you know, like that's literally what they're playing you know like yeah. oh yeah i love this john Cale song you know it's like so the, the the sort of whereas previously like during during our like um early years of snobbery it would have blown your mind to go grocery shopping to like you know paris 1919 totally. or whatever yeah i, I you have know? a
0: friend uh who's um who worked at a bar and a cafe for for many years and she was uh sort of snarking on twitter that like you know uh about the the bands that get overplayed in, uh, in restaurants and bars. And, and she named Talking Heads, ESG and Arthur Russell. And I was like, well, totally. I mean, first of all, it's crazy that those are all from the same place and time. That's something interesting, yeah. but also like there was a time in my life where like, I, I didn't, well, I mean, now I, I fantasize about going out to a cafe period, but like, um yeah, right, was like, totally. is that really so bad if those three artists are are like playing when you when you go to get a sandwich like it could be worse couldn't it
1: i think it's bad and it's good you know like because on the one hand like i also remember when like the first round of arthur russell reissues came out mm-hmm. right and it just being like this revelation like because previously this music is absolutely unavailable you know it had been like issued once in the early 80s and had vanished afterwards and now you know and he was dead and now they were like unearthing all these tapes and assembling these compilations and like doing this remat, you know doing this archaeology and like arthur russell's a guy who went from being absolutely nothing in like 2005 or whatever to now being like yeah the dominant sound of getting a coffee yeah yeah um and i mean it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing that like you know that that worked it's it's like I'm I'm thrilled for the Arthur Russell estate, I guess, you know, like uh, his loved ones, I hope, are, are uh, truly benefiting from his contribution to the culture. Uh, but like, yeah, it's fucked up, right? It's like it's on the one hand, it sucks to be so catered to you. You feel suspicious of your position in culture. You're like, is this how the big chill generation felt? Uh, I'm sure, I'm having sure. everything, you know, like having everything pointed directly at you. Yeah. Yeah, you know is this what it's is this what it feels like to because like we I you know growing up in the 80s like you would watch a sitcom like cheers and like they created the character of fraser to like mock you know true yuppies mm-hmm. right and so i've I, I, you know like i've always grown up with this idea that 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 like uh that figure was like suspicious or like you know the su- like you could make fun of these people you could make fun of your parents generation because like they had literally had everything handed to mm-hmm. them <laughs> and and the you know f- especially in the context of cheers right that's like where the jokes about f- you know that's where the, the fraser jokes come from right uh-huh. is that like him and lilith are like these entitled richie rich people who somehow go to the same bar as like the postman and like the and you know all these other you know ted danson like they're somehow all these people hang out in one bar mm-hmm. and uh like they don't have a wine bar to go to and uh where am I going with this? But just I like I'd help you with that. You know, it was before the advent yeah, those, of wine bars. But like, but, 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 like
0: the, but I think but uh I got probably in cheers. Boston that's
1: true. They probably don't have line bo- bars in Boston to this very day. It being like generally a medieval town. Uh <laughs> but I, yeah, the I feel I feel like uh they would be like there was this idea that like Oh, like you know, like President Clinton gets elected, and the soundtrack is like Fleetwood Mac, and like this is the first baby boomer president, and this is the first, you know, this is like the dawn of, uh, that being like the sound of everything, Mm -hmm. you know, like everything is Fleetwood Mac, everything is like the Eagles, and like it's it's their world, and we just get to live in it. Mm -hmm. And now, like, if you're like some kid, you're and like you're like, oh yeah, like I bet my like fucking art school professor Steve Cato is like. I bet that guy goes home and listens to Arthur Russell and Brian, Eno records. uh uh-huh. records, you know, like, <laughs> like, right, right. like if they're making fun of me, you know, like, like that's what they think. They're like, Oh yeah, that guy, the people in charge of like the people with the shitty adjunct job in charge of whether you get good or bad grades, like those people are all, you know, going, going to this kind of place and getting this kind of thing and listening to this kind of thing while that happens. Right. And like that, but then I, I can't really you know like what are they into and like lots of them are into this sort of, like students i've had have been into this sort of like epic EDM that just sounds like sort of like richard strauss okay or something that's just like really insane um and i guess that's like festival culture
0: right you know? right
1: <laughs> you know like and i just don't understand anything about it like i feel confused about it well i feel I'm not like sure it's feel uh about
0: it. it's you know it's one of the things that you just recognize as you age is that y- you are you are not meant to understand youth culture that's not what it's for yeah
1: yeah it's not for me um and like the things i thought were cool are like manifestly unsafe <laughs> you know like like that Neubauten shit is
0: dangerous, and you shouldn't you shouldn't do that and like that was terrible i think that you know we can all things um what goes around comes around and i'm sure nihilism will have its moment again
1: yeah, that's true. I hope so. I hope that's where like future makes us come back too, right? Like future just becomes sort of like a dark industrial artist. That's what I'm that's what I'm holding out hope for. But like so I, I have a question okay. for you. Like the the like the sort of like the scene that we got to know each other in is like like there is this poptimism that occurs. There's like Carl Wilson writes the book about Celine Dion, mm-hmm. for example, which is like the key poptimist text, yeah. right? And then we we participate in something that like Mm -hmm. we we, like borrow from this mainstream culture but the thing we're actually participating in was like what like what did poptimism what did that moment allow us the that wouldn't have been available to us through just like raw irony before you know like james chance and the contortions or whatever you know being like uh allow or kid creole and the coconuts let's say Uh right being like like sort of fake lounge act but also like extremely avant-garde. Well, disco I mean, music, you know, I you know? I don't
0: know if I would have articulated this at the time, but I I mean, looking back to me it was a a release from Irony. You know, it was the it was like uh-huh. the 90s just laid on the irony so thick that all of a sudden it was like the the you know, the clouds parted and the sun came out and it was like it's okay to just enjoy things, uh, you know, genuinely.
1: Yeah. But then at the same time, uh, like, it was very fun. I don't know. It's like, I, I have a hard time looking at it because it seems like, you know, like, we shouldn't have been having fun. <laughs> like, it, it, it's like the view from now in this, like, grim sort of, like, semi-puritanical situation that I think, like we said, we both expressed our, like, sympathy with, like, the, the, uh, the sort of social concern, you know, like, who's being harmed and, and are we looking after everyone and, like, uh, is this safe? Uh, does everyone feel safe here? You know, like those concerns I think are important and valuable about the current moment. And then like, to what extent were, were we like, yeah, we were having fun, but like at whose expense, you know, or when you look at the general situation, you know, it's not like, like the, the things I didn't know about that I know about now are, are immense, you know, like my consciousness has expanded so much and I was already like a pretty smart guy, I think lots of the time. So, you know, or at least, you know, well-read. So I just, I kind of wonder, yeah, like, sure, we're having fun, but should we? You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, was that right? Was that right? Uh, I
0: I don't know who who we were harming, per se.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, on a societal level, like, we were harming all the people that we were harming structurally anyway, I guess, right? And, like, the scene was extremely white right? Like people would call like Denise Rayner from Sherpa feast, like called Vanessa Fisher, the other black girl. Right. Um, you know, which implies that there's two of them in Toronto. And that was, that was pretty much the case for a long time, you know, in that scene you were like, Oh yeah, there are two black girls. That's right. Uh, you know, like that's not, and like that's in Toronto, the most diverse city in the world. Uh, You know, so it's like, yeah, there was like some Asian people, uh, you know, that's like maybe my contribution to diversity. Uh, But otherwise, right, like, you know, like, it's weird that there was like this thing that got a lot of coverage, you know, we got a lot of media love from Carl Wilson at the Globe and Mail, and we won a Polaris Prize and all, you know, that community did a whole lot of things. And achieved a lot in, like, a tiny space, but then, like, really just involved, like, one square kilometer around Kensington Market and, like, 200 college-educated white kids, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it feels weird when you consider the true scope and size of Toronto. I always felt weird about uh, how how tiny things were, but then was also so grateful about how tiny things were, because you'd only need to, like, walk a block. For sure, to, like, yeah. connect to your friends or borrow well, something. That what you, and that was really nice, too. I think what you described
0: is a normal, you know, part of, uh, of a local community. And uh, if we were naive about the greater world or even the greater city, uh, you know, that's probably normal, too. And I, 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 I like to think that, uh, you know, as you were talking about before, like, kids today being more conscious about those sorts of things, that uh, maybe they'll just keep building and make it better that's my uh that's my optimistic side coming up oh wow that's great <laughs> i mean we'll see right um yeah i guess like we, we don't have
1: a choice we are just gonna actually see yeah uh, and they're not like they're they're certainly not like taking their cues from me so it's like uh you know i i have i have zero influence on how this unfurls so uh you know i don't think the kids are going to be like oh what's that aging conceptual artist doing now
0: <laughs> you never know you never know we do what we Maybe do what I'll we have can my moment again. To, to, to be yeah. the, the, you know the, uh, to, to be a benevolent uh, you know weird uncle uncle to the underground yeah. um well steve you know it's always a pleasure talking to you i always feel like totally. you know we, Thanks, could, we could like expand in any direction at any time for the things we we uh we get into But uh, it's now. It's been an hour. I got to go have some dinner. Um, You got to get back to what you're doing. Um, But uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I hope that we can, uh, you know, reconnect and uh, shoot the shit about music. And maybe someday we'll like look back at, you know, this crazy time and and analyze it. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, it would be great. That would be great. And also, um, yeah, uh, I have a record coming out. Which oh, yeah, tell me. Um, t- from my de-skilled noise, record, noise band called LED. Okay. Um, yeah, it's coming out on Radical Documents, which is like a free jazz and um, weird music label here in Southern California. And, uh, yeah, it's coming out on Black Friday. So, uh, you get, know, get <laughs> get check on the Radical Documents website. Yeah, everyone buy my new record. Uh, yeah, Rush to the store, Trample an Old Lady, spread coronavirus um there's that just to buy a de-skilled noise
0: record there's that good nihilist Um, spirit coming back again yeah totally there we go well um send me a link i will put a plug for it oh awesome yeah sure thanks so much all right steve good talking to you man a pleasure take care thank you very much for listening everyone you can find the what is this music podcast on facebook And be sure to check out the Spotify playlist that Steve, Cato, and I put together of uh, 2003 chart hits interspersed with a few uh, Toronto uh, underground faves of the time. You can look it up on Spotify under What Is This Music or find it on the Facebook page. Um, I'm Malcolm Fraser. You can find me on all the social media. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.